Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Big week here in Missouri because of the Second Amendment Preservation Act. We'll get around to that in just a minute. Uh, we've got uh, State Representative Chuck Basie, who was really, really helpful in this. Uh, so was Dale Roberts, and of course, uh, we all supported it, including uh, Garson from Graphs. But before we do anything, uh, a public service announcement about breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is just inclusive. There are non-binary people. There are trans men who, who lactate. There are those who go by he, him, different pronouns. It's just inclusive to everybody. It is not hurting cis women to say chest feeding, but it does hurt those who go by other pronouns to continue to say breastfeeding, especially if they have body dysmorphia. And <laughs> I couldn't help it. I I just had to play. It was so stupid. Uh, she looks so uh, so unreal with the orange hair. Gentlemen, good morning. And uh, uh, Chuck, uh, leave Garson's guns alone now. Leave, quit playing with them. Um, very, very nice weapons he has with us. They're not mine yet. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to try and talk you out of buying them. Uh, we'll see if we can get someone down there to... To buy them uh, from you. Dale Roberts, welcome. How are you doing? Good morning, sir. I'm well, thank you. Uh, well, <laughs> some some would question that. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, what a week. Um, we've got the Second Amendment Preservation Act, uh, which uh, we've all been cheering for and, uh, and working for. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Apparently, the federal government has some questions about it. Uh, one police chief had an interesting position on this. Uh, we'll go to him first. News at 10, a local police chief calling it quits over Missouri's new gun rights law. Good evening to you. I'm Corey Stark. I'm Samantha Jones. The O'Fallon police chief is resigning after spending less than a year on the job. Chief Philip Dupuis's resignation is effective tonight. He says he's concerned about the new law banning local police from enforcing federal gun rules. Under the law signed by Governor Parson last week, law enforcement agencies and individual officers could be sued and fined for enforcing federal gun laws. I spoke with Dupuis just a short time ago. He says legislation is too vague and opens up officers to frivolous lawsuits. If President Biden said, hey, we're taking up everybody's AR-15s or their high-capacity magazines, we want local law enforcement to help us. If they had a bill that said don't help them do that, and if we do, the department is liable, that's one thing. But to hold individual officers for assisting a federal agency is horrific. He is asking Governor Parson to recognize the mistakes of the bill and go back to the drawing board immediately. But Dupuis says he's not willing to stick around to see what happens. I don't want to be the, the test case for, for this for this bill. I don't want to be the test case that goes before Supreme Court. I, I don't have any desire for that. And now that Dupuis is stepping down, Major John Nesky will serve as the acting chief. All right, let me uh, let me start off with uh, the attorney in the room. You know, it, he's not one of them. He's 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 a, he's one of the good attorneys, Dale <laughs> Roberts. Uh, Is there such a thing? As a good attorney? Yeah. Uh, you know, I always say there are only a few bad attorneys that make it that reflect badly on the other two percent of us. <laughs> so, the chief is suggesting that uh, individual police officers would be held. Uh, liable financially if they accidentally turn somebody in for violating a federal law that's not a state of Missouri law. I think that's the implication. 
Is that the way it works? Well, first of all, it's not. It doesn't apply to just any federal law. It's only a law that infringes the Second Amendment rights of a law-abiding Missouri citizen. So you have yeah. to go through each of those steps. And as I recall, and I'm kicking myself for not bringing a copy so I could point to page, you know, chapter and verse, um, Senator Burleson, I think it was, but in any event, the, the, the agreement was they took, they removed the provision that would penalize officers individually and left the provision that would hold the departments liable for having an officer perform those functions. So I don't believe that that penalty against the individual officer remains other than if, a, if an individual officer did that, the person who is adversely affected could potentially go to court and file some kind of a suit against that officer, which you can do now if someone infringes your civil rights, you can bring a cause of action for that. To make it clear, if it's against the law in Missouri and it's against the law federally, law enforcement locally can arrest you or seize your firearm. If it's against the law federally but not in the state, nobody in the state uh, will be turning you into the federal government. I, I think Does that make it clear? Or is that clear as mud, Chuck? Um, I, I believe that's correct. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just I think Dale hit it on the head. Uh, Law-abiding citizens should not have their Second Amendment rights, um, you know, compromised and, and any rights actually. But in this case, Second Amendment. It's uh, it's pretty clear to me. I think it was a great bill. I was really happy that the uh, governor signed it, and I, I kind of regret not going to the ceremony. It would have been fun to see that. Um, did you just have a birthday recently? I did, uh, a little over a week ago. A little over a week ago. See, we didn't have you on last week, so we didn't get to sing happy birthday to you. Uh, but we wake up Columbia, this. I got him. Uh, did they? Yeah. Okay, well, then you're off the hook, because we've been rehearsing this all week. We were going to sing happy birthday to you, but uh, since uh, Brandon Rathard got you already, I'll, I'll pass. I'll let it go. I appreciate um, it. The, you Still need that Brad Trinago bill, though. And if I could say it, my dad, the day before my birthday, was his 94th birthday. Was so, it really? Yeah. God bless him. Yeah. He's 94. Very well. Wow. That is amazing. That is terrific. Uh, the governor apparently <laughs> received a message from the attorney general. Uh, he said, <laughs> I write, regarding Missouri House Bill uh, HB 85 signed into law, and he thinks that it's a problem. Um, and I read the response uh, from Attorney General Eric Schmidt. I'd pat him on the back if I could get him on the show. Uh, but he, he really sent him a succinct and clear response, huh, Chuck? Yes, I, uh, I loved the letter. I thought that was uh, fantastic. Uh, the Attorney General Eric Schmidt and the governor, uh, wonderful people. Very, very proud of them and uh, happy to serve with them. Missouri has the right to refuse to enforce unconstitutional infringements by the federal government. Um, just chapter and verse, he quotes Supreme Court decisions, the Constitution, the Federalist Papers. He goes right down the line. Missouri will defend its citizens and its laws from federal government overreach. Uh, and it's signed uh, by uh, Governor Parson and by uh, Attorney General Schmidt. I was I, I read that letter and I was like, wow, this is a history lesson, a, a legal lesson, uh, all wrapped into one. It was 
and a bit of a smackdown. Yeah, I was saying a WWF. <laughs> and well-deserved. I mean, the temerity of an acting assistant attorney to write the governor of a state and the attorney general of a state and challenge them and tell them, you have, I don't know what he gave them, um, you have two days to answer this letter and tell me what you're up to. Who, who does this guy think he is? And plus, then he leaked the letter to the media before he sent it to the, to Missouri so the media could skew the story. Um, we don't do that, but some portions of the media do. Um, yeah, they didn't uh, take the two days to answer it, did they? I mean, I think they answered it pretty much right away. Yeah, they it was they sent their answer the next day <laughs> and nailed it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm just curious uh, about what would have happened if they hadn't answered it at all, if they hadn't bothered to answer it. I'll kind of go around the table and talk about that next. You're listening to Gary on Guns, Hot Talk 93.9 Eagle. 21 minutes after the hour, talking about the Second Amendment Preservation Act, the federal government and assistant attorney is really upset with the state of Missouri and sent a threatening letter. Uh, State Representative Chuck Basie, great Second Amendment supporter on board with us. Garson is in from Graffs. He's brought in some neat firearms. We'll get to those in the next hour. And uh, Dale Roberts on board with us as well. Uh, The letter says, uh, in light of the significant public safety risks the law presents, the United States Department of Justice respectfully requests that you take action to clarify the scope of the law and respond to this letter by Friday, June 18th. I don't think they even had to respond. I mean, I love the response, but Dale, was there any recourse? What if the governor and uh, the attorney general said, you know, lick sand? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I can't think of any action they could take for for the state failing to respond to their letter. Um and a letter that, you know, misstates the facts and the law. Um, but I, I'm with you. I'm glad they did. I'm kind of, I mean, it goes both ways. You could say, well, they, they could have waited a week and said, oh, yeah, by the way, we'll answer that. I'm, I'm glad they fired right back and said, you know, you're wrong. And here's eight pages of reasons why you're wrong. <laughs> or they could have just said, suck eggs. I'm not responding to that stupid letter. That would have been... <laughs> <laughs> Garson, wouldn't that have been more fun? Yeah, just like a big, like, legal-sized piece of paper with the words no on it. <laughs> yeah, that's like the single-fingered salute. It's uh, it's good. If anybody has any questions about it, um, give us a call. We'll try to answer it. Uh, we've had um, Ron Calzone on the program last week. Uh, we got Chuck Basie, who helped uh, get this thing through and uh, helped marshal it in. Uh, as did uh, Dale Roberts. So if anybody has uh, any questions, we've got the experts. Give us a call, 874-9390-800-529-5572. Let me head back to Chuck Basie. Chuck, somebody uh, said that there's some kind of a uh, some legislation dealing with state militia. Are you aware of anything that... Uh, not right off the top of my uh, head. You know, a lot of, a lot of, most bills didn't even make it this year, but uh, it, it was not, I don't believe it was in uh, House Bill 85 that, uh, that I recall. It was, uh, SB 528, Senate Bill, Minutemen of the State. Um, Is I that Bratton's? I, I don't know offhand. I'll try and look it up real quick. Um, no. 
Yeah. I, I, I was not aware that it had passed or that anything along those lines had passed. So I am curious to see if anybody uh, has any more detail about that. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, I think the state of Missouri handled it well. I'm proud of the legislators. I am proud of the governor and uh, and the attorney general. Yeah, um, um, it, that Senate Bill 528 was a, a bill by Senator Bill White from the Joplin area. It had a hearing in the Senate uh, General Laws Committee, but it never advanced. It never was voted out of committee. So it didn't go anywhere? It didn't go anywhere, no, sir. All right, well, then, then there is nothing to say. It's gone. And Gary, you, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, to jump in, but you, you mentioned people who had pushed the SEPA forward. You know, the underlying bill, Second Amendment Preservation Act, was actually written by Dave Rowland. That was his language. Um, he was tasked with with doing the heavy lifting on that, and he did a beautiful job. You know, I forgot all about that, but uh, you're right. Dale was a, a major influencer. I didn't know that he actually wrote the bill, though. That's interesting. Uh, really. You know, if there are, there are freedom fighters and there are freedom fighters, and I want to tell you, what he does here in the state of Missouri is outstanding. I don't know if you did. You guys hear about these uh, uh, gr this group? There was a group in uh, Kansas City, and another group in St. Louis, disparate groups, but doing the same thing. They were feeding the poor, and they would prepare all these meals and then tell them, you know, meet us here at, at the public park, wherever it is, and we'll give you food. Uh, in Kansas City, I think the police came in and poured bleach on the food. Yeah, that uh, was ridiculous. In St. Louis, they confiscated the food, threatened them. Um, and, and I guess the, the argument was that it wasn't prepared in commercial kitchens. Health permit, probably. Right. You know, yeah. regulations. Yeah, you can't do that. They yeah, better so, not show up at a hospital when they have a bring-in. They'll have a million ner angry nurses trying to beat them up. Yeah, well, you know, the, the message clearly is we'd rather these people go dumpster diving and eat food out of a garbage dumpster than prepare it in, a, in somebody's kitchen. That's just stupid. So Dave Rowland is representing them. He's, he's and doing, a, a, as far as I know, he's, so far he's doing pretty well. He's, he's knocking them dead. Good guy. Just a really good guy. Uh, there is, uh, and this is posted at Gary on Guns. On Facebook, I don't know. I think we played this on the national show. I don't think we played it on the no, on the local uh, Gary on Gun show. Uh, but it is uh, liberals that are brought in to do a read uh, on facts about gun control. Yeah, we 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 played that. That was awesome. So, well, uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna give it another run through here. <clears throat> um, and I think Brian, we got all right. Let's go. So what we're doing today? Mm -hmm. It's exciting. We're going to have you reading from the teleprompter. Um, these are real facts. These are all true, well-researched facts about gun control. Okay. So, and you're going to be reading facts about gun control. Okay. So is it, is it going to come up in front of that lens? Is yeah. what I will be seeing it? Okay. Yeah. So, like, here's how it'll look. Right. Did you know, according to the CDC, there were roughly 38,000 gun deaths in 2016. Two-thirds of them were suicides. There are over 300 million guns in the United States. There are over five times more murders by knives than by rifles. The U.S. has the highest gun ownership rate in the world, but ranks 28th in gun murders. That's a rate of 2.97 deaths per 100,000 people. Handguns are responsible for more than 80% of total mass shootings. 
handguns. Between 1993 and 2003, gun ownership increased by 56%, while gun violence decreased by nearly half. Since 1950, nearly all mass public shootings have occurred in gun-free zones. That's crazy. From 2013 to 2015, the six states that banned open carry actually experienced higher rates of police death. 86.4% of 20,000 police chiefs and sheriffs support concealed carry and are overwhelmingly against further gun control. Those that have concealed carry permits, on average, commit less crime than police. Hmm, imagine that. Yeah, what does that mean? There is a clear correlation between higher firearm ownership and reducing police killings. Switzerland, a nation of about 8 million, is armed with an estimated 2 million guns in circulation with limited gun legislation. Switzerland's overall gun homicide rate is practically zero. Gun ownership does not correlate with the homicide rate. Interesting. Um, I haven't, uh, I, I just kind of blindly chose a side on the whole issue without really thinking about facts. I mean, I'm going to be honest, for me, I don't really like go to the main news sources because a lot of it's always like pushed by an agenda, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, to get like the real facts, you always have to do more research. I mean, it definitely makes me want to do more research about, um, like, everything that's happening right now with gun violence. It's interesting to actually take the time and see what the facts say as opposed to what I personally feel. Uh, I didn't know a lot of that. Oh, pretty much, yeah, pretty much all of it. Gun control does not really mean crime control. They're really worried about controlling guns and but it's not really up to the, like, the guns, guns itself that's going to cause harm to people. It's really about the bad people. I mean, it come, boils down to people, I feel like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, facts are facts. So, Yeah, facts are facts. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, when we come back, Campus Carry Crime Prevention Research. John Lott did a little looking into to see what happens. We'll share that with you next on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. 874-9390-800-529-5572. I just, I just got a notice <clears throat> on Facebook, Brian, that somebody mentioned me in a post. And uh, now I'm trying to find out what it was. Kind of distracting. But I'm going to get back to the story at hand. Chuck Basie with us. So is uh, Dale Roberts. Garson is in from Graffs. He's brought in some firearms. We'll talk about those in about 30 minutes. Uh, crime prevention research. That's uh, Dr. John Lott, frequent guest on this program. Uh, Campus Carry. what is the danger to allowing concealed handguns on university property? Shootings by permit holders from 2012 to May 2021. Uh, well, it turns out it's not so deadly at all. Uh they did research uh, and included Bloomberg's uh, Everytown Research. Interestingly, and, and I guess this shouldn't surprise us, Garson, Bloomberg lumps anybody with a gun on campus into their numbers. Uh, but crime prevention research separates, uh, for instance, in one case in Kansas, uh, pimps and people who don't have permits from people who do. Uh, kind of biases their 
their coverage. I, I didn't uh, realize pimps were their own statistical class. <laughs> well, apparently on campus there must be some kind of demand. You are now. <laughs> In addition to their research, they use Bloomberg's Every Town um, and uh, looked into uh, carrying. Uh, two cases from Kansas where guns were allowed on campus and one case at Wichita State. In 2015, people with permitted concealed handguns were allowed to have a concealed handgun in their car in a parking lot. But there was a shooting there and had no connection to the school. It was a pimp who was already on parole for a 2010 felony child abuse conviction. Well, how did he get a gun in the first place? I don't know. Apparently, you guys aren't doing your job. Mm. You go to those gun shows... And and they use the loophole. Oh yeah, that that the loophole. So he, just, he just ordered it online and yeah yeah and that's it that that's appeared. the ticket. No, they didn't steal them. No no no. Um, an undergraduate student got into an argument with a prostitute over the cost of the service. When the prostitute returned empty-handed to the pimp, he beat her and then pulled a gun, walked over to the student, and shot him. That's a rougher business than I thought it was. Uh, well, Bloomberg's group uses this as an example for why guns should be banned on college campuses. If anything, it shows the opposite. I ignoring all the other illegal activity that was going on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the victim was a student who needed to defend himself as criminals would take guns onto campus to commit a crime. The second case, uh, Kansas State University, May 2019, involved an attacker and a victim not even connected to the university. Uh, the incident began uh, off campus on the east side of uh, Manhattan and continued to the parking lot north of the foundation building where the shots were fired. No one was wounded or killed in the incident. So, you know, they've got very few cases that they can point to, and they don't seem to indicate that carrying on campus is a problem. Uh, but, it, you know, clearly this isn't going to stop them uh, from trying to paint a, an ugly picture. What is it exactly that they're not getting, Garson? What is it exactly do you think that, that these gun control people don't understand? Man, if I knew that, I'd be the king of the world. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think their problem is they can't separate the gun from the person wielding it. That, that's like a minor intro to all the things that's wrong with their thought process there. But, yeah, um, they, that or they just don't care. I mean, that's not... That's not why they're doing gun control. Their 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 ulterior motives are driving it, and the control of guns is just a stepping stone to their end their end goal. So it doesn't matter the reasoning behind it. For for some reason, we never want to blame criminals. Maybe because we realize or think there's nothing we can do about it. But but it's the guns. Yeah, they, they the can gun. separate the criminal from the crime, but they can't separate the the gun owner from the gun. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's the gun's fault. It's not the fault of the criminal who's committing the illegal act, like running prostitutes and drugs and illegal guns and you name it. You know, there's a meme, <clears throat> and we've had it up on our uh, Gary on Guns Facebook page. Uh, and the meme is, uh, we don't blame the fork for obesity. Right. And it, it really... Yeah, that darn spoon. Yeah, I mean, it really is analogous. It is perfectly analogous. Uh, but they don't seem to get it. I don't know why. Or matches uh, and arson or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pens and bad legislation. 
Oh, that that Chuck. I think that was a shot in your direction. Your well, when, when I failed I, my, I'm, I'm looking at our Senate here right now. When I failed my David spelling Chittin. test, it was the pencil's fault. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was clear to me. Yeah. In in cases of drunk driving, you know, it's the fault of the drunk driver. We don't blame it on the alcohol. We don't blame it on the fast car. We blame it on the person who committed the crime. But for some reason. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. The mentality of people want to blame guns. I just can't get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Well, I well, think I, there. I are, truly believe that there are ulterior are there are ulterior motives are the are the main driving point behind that. I would say, boy, you can say that again, but I bet you can't. <laughs> I couldn't say it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and we're professionals, ladies and gentlemen. Don't try this at home. Yeah, I'm sorry. They. Um, <laughs> Well, I th I think there are uh, two different groups, two disparate groups. And I think uh, the one group, uh, and that is the group I think that Garson is talking about. They know that they uh, that they're pushing trash, uh, that this is nonsense because they have an ulterior motive. And the other group are just naive, uh, and they're following very they, much so. They've not done the homework. The, they're 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 in lockstep with the Hitlers and the Pol Pots of the world. In that video, or well, the tape you played, we could see the video here that you that you did earlier about the people reading facts on the teleprompter, and then they'd read the fact and go, "Well, wait a minute, that doesn't agree with my narrative. That's not what I was told." Yeah, and, and, you know. Oh, I guess I need to do research. Well, yeah. yeah. And Brian was lucky enough to get to see the video because I saw him in there laughing at their reactions. <laughs> yeah, it's it. It, it is uh, the naivete on the part of the general public that make the job easier for people who are pushing this this agenda. Uh, I'm going to move things a little closer to home, not real close, St. Louis close. The McCloskeys pleaded yeah. guilty to misdemeanor charges. Uh, in their gun case. Uh, tactically, we know that it was a major screw-up the way they tried to defend themselves. But I don't understand. And in fact, I, I wouldn't want this guy as a governor because he really threw the cards in pretty quickly. Senator? Or senator, rather. I'm sorry. And on that uh, note, I'd like to announce my candidacy for Senate. Well, you know what? I would vote for you over McCloskey. Yeah, he's a gun guy like uh, Hannibal Lecter's a food connoisseur. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting, <laughs> interesting picture there. <clears throat> Excuse me while I while I hork. Um, <laughs> let me let me uh, let me start this off uh, chatting with the attorney. What does this make sense? Why would he plead guilty? What was the crime? It, it appears that at least she. I'm not. Sh I don't know what's happened with him, but I know that she pled guilty to misdemeanor harassment and was filed fined $2,000. Oh, sorry. And her husband pleaded guilty to fourth degree assault and was fined $750. Um, and they give up the weapons they use during the confrontation. Uh, I... It doesn't make, on the facts, that doesn't make any, the facts that I know, that does not make any sense to me for them to plead to that. However, I, I know that, sadly, you know, many times you, you enter a plea to make something go away. And he's saving all that dough for his Senate campaign. Well, I, I mean. Unless he's representing himself. 
because then I guess he could, you know, not have to charge himself as much. I, I don't know what effect it'll have on his campaign, the fact that he was <laughs> willing to uh, knuckle under, plead to something he didn't do, and give up his weapons. Yeah, right um, then and there, that just did it for me. for me. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't... The facts I know, the facts that are available to the public, I don't see where they committed those crimes, necessarily. Um, All right, well, hang on. Hang on to that thought, because I'm up against the clock. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, we'll chat about uh, the McCloskey case on the Gary Nolan Show. On Gary and Guns. It is 55 50 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Chuck Basie is in, uh, and uh, Garson is in from Graf's. And uh, Dale Roberts on board. Uh, the legal saga of Mark and Patricia McCloskey took a surprising turn on Thursday when the couple pled guilty to misdemeanor charges of harassment and assault, agreeing to forfeit the firearms they displayed as a crowd of protesters tromped through their gated community last summer. Governor Parson had previously vowed to pardon the couple if they were convicted on charges of unlawful use of a weapon, and the McCloskeys had previously said, through their attorney, they weren't interested in accepting pre-trial diversion in lieu of a trial, which makes the news of their guilty plea a bit of a shock. The story is at bearing arms. After the court hearing on Thursday, Mark McCloskey, who's running for the U.S. Senate seat, currently held by retiring Senator Roy Blunt, was unrepentant about the incident last June. I'd do it again. Hopefully he'd do it a little smarter, huh, Garson? Um, if he could, yeah. Anytime the mob approaches me, I'll do what I can to put them in imminent threat of physical injury because that's what kept them from destroying my house and my family. If he felt that way, we're trying to figure out why on earth he took a plea and turned in his firearms. One of the firearms, the AR, as I understand it, was empty. Uh, the other, the pistol that his wife was carrying... Uh, had uh, w was used in a court case and was uh, actually tampered with so that it couldn't work. Well, that's even dumber. I, I think it yeah. did not have the firing pin, if I recall correctly. You, yeah, sh right. you show up threatening violent force on someone with an empty gun, you're and a an, moron. And an inoperable you are gun. a moron. So on several levels, McCloskey is not my guy. But I'm... I'm and and we've we've kind of gone over this in the past that uh, the tactical uh, mistakes that he made, uh, which start with getting up that morning, uh, and end with this incident. But I don't see where he did anything wrong. I don't know why he pled guilty. And you know, the more I've thought about it during the break, and I forget what we said on the air and what we said during the break, but um, I, I suppose. A prosecutor could make the argument when they were walking past your house, they weren't a threat. And therefore, for you to, you know, point a gun at them, that constituted assault or harassment. But that's that's tenuous still. Well, that and, was that was private property um, and they own the property. Well, along with all the other people that have homes in that, uh, well, they weren't just on the road; they were actually on his property. They're crossing across his yard. Okay, but I, I don't think their intent was to stop there. And I don't hear—I didn't hear of any other buildings or property owners' actual property being damaged, other than the gate at the at the entrance to the community. Right. And, right. and, and the other, but the other thing is, from a 
sort of a political, tactical point of view, I think we said during the break, you know, I would, since the governor said, I will pardon them if they are convicted, I would have expected someone to stand their legal ground if they thought they were right and and let the chips fall. And if they end up getting convicted, they get a pardon. And when one is running for office, the ability to say, I stood for what I believed. And and that's that's the kind of person I am, as opposed to, yeah, I paid a fine to make it go away and I let him keep my guns. Yeah, that tells yeah. me he's not a fighter. Yeah, just imagine when he's in office and they got anti-gun legislation. And he's like, oh, well, uh, I'm against it, but I'm going to roll over and let you scratch my belly because <laughs> I don't want to fight. I was against it before I was for it. Well, Kim Gardner, uh, who brought the charges, uh, was removed from the case because she was using it politically to her advantage. Uh, and then this uh, Callahan uh, takes over. He amended the charges against the McCloskeys to give a j- the jury the option of convicting the couple of misdemeanor harassment instead of the felony unlawful use of a weapon uh, charge that uh, originally was filed. Uh, Gardner, uh, like I said, had to drop out. I confess I didn't see the plea deal coming, with the governor assuring the pair of a pardon and Mark McCloskey's Senate campaign in full swing. I saw the trial as an opportunity for McCloskey to get a lot of free press coverage without running the risk of actually going to jail or prison uh, if if they lost and, and were convicted. And I would have thought the same thing. I would have had more respect for the guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, the only one of us uh, that actually knows anything about running for a race uh, is uh, sitting here at the table with us. Don't you think that kind of publicity, Chuck, would have uh, really favored McCloskey in the primary? I would think so, but I, I have no idea why he chose to do what he did, but it was a surprise to me. I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think it would, would have been better for him to play it out and, and fight it, uh, especially if, you know, you really believe, and I do, I don't think they did anything wrong. I think they were standing their ground, and, um, you know, that and the story I'm reading says they surrendered their firearms to the state, or they are going to, and I wonder if that includes all of them that they own. No, just the two that were used. I see. Yeah, it doesn't really clarify that. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I'm I'm puzzled by it. I I know the 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 people that are running this guy's campaign, and it kind of surprised me. I don't know if they gave him that advice or not, but it would surprise me if they well, did. If, if they did, they wanted to they wanted to get out of the job early. Uh, Carson, we would be remiss if we didn't at least briefly go over. All of the mistakes the McCloskey made, um, starting with coming out of the house in the first place. Yeah, should have never left the house. That was that would have nipped this in the bud, and we wouldn't have to worry about any of this. So if if the maddening throng is uh, you know traipsing across the yard, do not go out of your home. Stay inside the house. Yeah, arm up. Uh, call nine one one. Maintain cover. And a defendable position if they are actually coming after you. And do not shoot blindly through the door. He didn't do that, of course. He was outside. But he couldn't have if he wanted to. Because in one case, the firing pin was installed backwards so that the the pistol would be unusable. It was a, a piece that was used in a trial. And I understand the AR-15 was empty. 
What a, what a monumentally stupid thing to do, standing in front of your house with a crowd of people, many of whom could be armed also, totally exposed. If they shot at you, you wouldn't know who to shoot back at. And you couldn't, under the circumstances, these two are just major, major screw-ups at every level. Yep. All right, we get to find out what Garson brought in from Graphs. That's coming up next on Carry On Guns. Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle.